You know what's so fitting? Hmm. Hmm. Um, right as we started talking about Clan of the Duck, I got a notification from LGBTQ Nation, and all I see at the top of it is, was Jesus a queer drag king? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Answer, yes. Answer's probably yes. Catherine Reptar Johnson. I'm Horb Sassafras. And I'm Bork. And welcome to Grow Up, a Saturday morning podcast for babies. Here on Grow Up, we deconstruct and reflect upon popular media from yours and our childhoods. You can send us suggestions for our next episode by tweeting them to at growthepodup or sending them to growthepodup at gmail.com. This week, the Rugrats! A question. A question. Why Rugrats? Uh, I kind of want to talk about this because the Rugrats were one of my favorite shows growing up. Um, I was actually in a little fan club for the Rugrats and I competed in like AOL kids chat rooms on their trivia for the Rugrats and I won. I was the winner. I won trivia. I was the winner for the Rugrats trivia, and they sent me, like, a sticker. <laughs> That's where I peaked, actually. It's was, been uh, downhill since then. It's been downhill since I turned seven. I know, we're, uh, <laughs> I know we're joking about that, but you guys, this is actually, I think, a very salient thing to talk about for the Rugrats episode. And, like, it's, I don't know, maybe personal for the podcast, but I... I genuinely, in my life, feel like my happiest times were when I was a child, six and under. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, feel absolutely. like I, I don't feel like I have been happy since then. Oh God, oh, that's so sad. Cheers to that. <laughs> che- cheers. I, I, I'm lifting I, my coffee to you, Robin. But you know, I think I'm finally actually like approaching happiness again. Mazel tov. But let me just uh, walk everybody through which ones I ended up going with. Um, Because this week was my week to choose, so I ended up with... I think it's always really important to start where the show starts. So I started with Tommy's first birthday, which is the pilot episode. And then moved on to Meet the Carmichaels. Then Angelica has a broken leg. Then Mother's Day. And then Clan of the Duck. You mispronounced it. Clan of the Duck. Duke. One more reason that this show is just a little near and dear to my heart is that it premiered exactly one month before I was born. So it was actually kind of weird going back and watching and being like, wow, this show is almost exactly how old as I am. Yeah. <laughs> like when I was looking at um, like how old all the parents were and stuff, Stu mm. is the same age as my parents. Because I was wondering that. I'm like, they don't seem like they're in their 20s. They were, like, in their early 30s when they had the kids. And All of them? Yes. Damn. It's, Dee Dee was 31 when she had Tommy, and she's the second youngest mother. But, like, I remember really identifying with Tommy, and then as I got older, I'm like, I don't know why I did that. And then now going back, I'm like, oh, I can see why. Because for a long time, he was an only child. Mm-hmm. And um, his mom was a teacher. My mom was a teacher. And, like, his parents were the same age as my parents. He liked to play imagination, and that was what I liked. I didn't like video games. Well, also, Tommy is like a natural-born leader, and Catherine, you have a lot of leadership qualities. Um, when I was younger, for sure. I think we all were more prone to leadership when we were younger. Yeah, I think being a woman, I it's been kind of drilled out of me. Yeah, same. Um, I think it's it's interesting younger. that you say that because I specifically was thinking to myself, I don't know that I feel that way. I think I still have some pretty strong leadership qualities. <laughs> yeah, that's, and then, that's interesting. And, yeah, and then you say that and, and immediately I was like, wow, yeah, that's so true, I guess. That sucks. I think it's coming back with like the field I work in, but for a mm-hmm. long time I think I was taught to just kind of step back and let someone else take control. But I when remember I was... very specifically that it started for me, my leadership quality, well, not my qualities, but just like my penchant for leadership started slipping away in high school when I for had sure. a bad leadership experience. Someone called me a bitch and I was, uh, you know, I was like 14, 15 years old yeah. and very 
very sensitive and yeah th- that kind of destroyed me a little bit so yeah I started to get called like bossy in yeah. middle school and that was when I kind of took a step back because like when I was a kid I remember like being at camp and we had to do like a big group activity and I it was like 30 kids and I was just like stepped up and was like okay we're gonna do this and this and this and just like totally <laughs> took over and then like cannot I remember that about you do you yeah I remember like you were just so gung-ho about anything that you would do that like you you Aww. had so much energy about doing it that like you would just naturally assume a position where like other people were paying attention to what you were saying or like following your lead Aww. and just for anybody who doesn't know Catherine and Robin went to elementary school together? No, middle si- school. we middle sixth school grade was when we met. Sixth grade. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I met uh, both of them in high school. In my sophomore year of high school, their freshman year of high school. We did five episodes that Carly explained earlier, and I'll just give a quick summary of the first one we did, which was the pilot, and it was Tommy's first birthday. Um, and that's self-explanatory it's tommy's first birthday party oh wait can i just right away introduce my conspiracy theory it's not the dead babies is it no i think i think tommy is is one of he's a a robot that his dad built oh shit oh my god (laughs) he cracked the code continue continue oh no okay um so we meet phil and lil the twins and chucky and uh, their parents, and then and we meet evil Angelica, who's the cousin who's evil, and then we also, and then we're also interested to, or oh, fuck me, introduced to all the adults: Stu, his wife Dee Dee, Stu's brother Drew, who's Angelica's father, and uh, the grandpa, grandpa Lou, and <laughs> and really the greatest character of the show. Yeah, shit, Betty Devell. Oh my god, I'm so glad you said that. Who I ship her and Dee Dee. Me too. Oh my god. Okay, so I have a conspiracy theory about Dee Dee and Betty. These well, yeah. episodes they're... particularly, I was like, oh no. <laughs> like there's something going on there. Like there was an episode, like I believe it was Meet the Carmichaels, where no, no, it was Mother's Day where Dee Dee yes. was getting dressed. She was getting dressed. I wrote that. Betty down. was helping her change. Yeah. Like she was helping her choose her clothes. She was helping her like ooh. I love that. Yeah. Anyways, I'm so glad you said that because I said the same thing while I was watching it with Robin and I was like, they are totally in love. And Robin was like, huh. I'm so (laughs) glad we separately came to the same conclusion. I've said this like everything we've watched so far where I'm like, now that we're watching it, like identify with the adults more than the kids when we are. Oh my God. I did not feel that way. They are older than us. They're not like young parents. They're not in their 20s. They're in their 30s. But I, if I was Tommy when I was a kid, I'm Betty now. Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> no, see for so me, for cool. me, my reaction, my reaction was so violent because I, I was so annoyed by the parents constantly. I I couldn't <laughs> I could not identify with them because everything they were doing, I was just like, ha, what, ha, what? <laughs> no, that is not I, how you treat children. I know. But I felt like that was, like, what it was trying to say, which I didn't get when I was a kid. But it's they're saying there's not that much difference between the shenanigans going on in these babies' lives and what's important to these parents. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like, oh you God, never grow up. But that didn't yeah, make me I, like the parents. That's not something that I... I still, like, I very much felt like I identified more with the kids. I was so annoyed at the parents all the time. I loved the parents. Something I really love about this show is, like, a lot of kids' shows brush off the parents and make them go wah, 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 or just ignore them Mm. completely. This show, the parents have just as rich of lives as the children do. Yes. And they have just as, like, important of conflicts going on. And I just really appreciate that, like, there is this, like, foil going on. The beginning episode, the... the conflict is a puppet show. Yes, but, no, but that's not true, that's, because I here's identified the thing. with that so much. Me too, because Dee Dee is just trying to give her only son the best first birthday that she can, and the entire time, everything goes wrong. She puts so much stress on this birthday party. At some point, she says, quote, my future as a mother depends on this party. Yes, like today, yeah, I think we would say it. Me. I know, but like, 
today I would say as like she's trying to have like a Pinterest birthday party. She has yeah, this, exactly. like, you know, like like lifestyle brands like Goop or whatever, like would have you think that like you have to do these things for these kids. It has to be picture perfect where like she's putting the hats on them and taking a picture. And um, it's so stilted when she does that. The kids are just like, eh, it doesn't mean anything to these children. Mm-mm. Versus the end when they're all pretending to be dogs and it's so cute and it like saves the party and they get this like really genuine cute picture and all the pictures at the end. So like the lesson is that like there is this, there's this um, uh, 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 words. Um, um, well, I think that it says that there's beauty in failure and there's beauty in just letting yeah. things happen organically. And there's this like expectation of like you have to be the perfect mother. It has to be picture perfect. It doesn't mean shit to these kids. No. They don't care about the puppet yeah. show or anything. It, they don't get it. It's like, yeah, so they don't give a fuck about what's going on with the party. No, and like, so funny. Tommy, not once does he recognize that it's his birthday. The entire episode, he's just like, oh, something cool's going on. La, la, la. I want dog food. Like, he doesn't care about he, his presence. It, Never registers that he it's his birthday when he does get his presents. Like he 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 gets excited about some of them, but like the kids other take kids them. take them away. Yeah. So he he's just kind of like, oh okay. I want to kind of talk about the parents as parents and like especially the pickles. I think that's because that, that's who we see the most. Um, and they're and based I, on the creators of the show, right? And it's so funny because Stu is so incompetent as a parent. Oh, yes. Yeah. See, I, Whereas I, I, Dee Dee I, is looking for help wherever she can find it. And she constantly, and I told Robin this because he's never seen this show, um, but she consults Dr. Lipschitz, Lipschitz. Yeah. all the time. And they set it up from the very first episode that she says, Lipschitz knows best, Stu. Yeah. Um, I, I want to just like, tack onto this to yeah, say that. Um, I, I think the fact of their incompetence, what you were saying about them being incompetent, the fact of their incompetence as parents, with the premise of this show being like people who are parents and their babies, the fact that they were so incompetent, and I know that like that's intentional, and I know that it it's done that way for a reason, but just I I hated them as parents, and that that is what annoyed me so much. I think that is why I didn't like their characters was because they were just so bad at it. And I wanted them to like get something right every once in a while. Uh, I love that Dee Dee is like this. She's always forced into the role of the peacemaker, trying to hold everything together. And it's, it's so sad because by the end, like she's created this beautiful cake and the hovercraft crashes into it yeah. and ruins it. But who cares about the and cake? Except the grandparents. Who cares about the cake? The grandparents really care. Like Which, the, uh, This moment really stuck out to me. Yeah. Because when Dee Dee's parents are arguing over the cake, Dee Dee does this weird thing where she agrees with both of them, even though they're both making opposing points. That are stupid. So that are stupid the grandfather is saying oh you know birthday cakes have to be chocolate and and yeah uh, Yeah. Yeah. and her her mother is saying it's none of your business (laughs) and she's like you're right mom it's none of his business well she she in one like one breath she goes dad you're right i should have made a chocolate cake mom you're right it's none of his business like she's constantly trying to like hold the fort <laughs> but it just reminded me of that when what people care about at each stage that the kids are like eating dog food who cares the the adults are trying to have the best birthday party ever and then the grandparents yeah. are like they're like what cake. we have to eat this <laughs> vanilla cake like can't we have chocolate cake like that's all this kid's birthday is to them at this point yeah. in their lives <laughs> That's the reasonable way to be. I don't think because the first birthday doesn't matter. Why does the show matter? Why is that? I'm one hundred percent. Yeah, I'm one hundred percent on the grandparents' side on this. Oh yeah, like yeah. I'm just which grandparent is the question? Huh? Which grandparent is the question? Kind of the one that's like the cake should be chocolate. Like if I have to, (laughs) if I have to stop what I'm doing to go to some. Like the, a one-year-old's birthday, which I mean, my my nephew is almost one, and that's gonna be a big deal for me. But like to have gone through so many of these, like to be like in your eighties and have to go to another 
first birthday party and I'm old and I'm tired and I don't want to get up and I get there and it's a vanilla cake I'd be like come on in fact even a carrot cake (laughs) I think she made a carrot if it was oh that's right a carrot cake of all goddamn things goddamn a carrot cake decision to make it should be confetti cake or nothing (laughs) agreed confetti cake or nothing and pastel mints Hey, every parent out there, make a note. It's gotta be confetti, confetti cake. cake. Or All right, nothing. let's move on to the next episode. <laughs> do they make edible glitter now? Yes, they do. They do. Yeah, so they get new neighbors. Uh, they find out that it's, well, first of all, it's a black family, the Carmichaels, and they have a bunch of kids. Mm-hmm. And But they're, the dad is a writer on a kid's show that is not Stu, Stu doesn't say it's my favorite kids show he says it's one of his favorite shows and he clearly yeah. no, has seen it many times and like knows the synopses of like many episodes um and they're just and he knows that there's like a lost episode that yeah. he wants to talk to randy about and randy doesn't like to talk about the show which i get i hate it when people talk to me about my job <laughs> they go over to meet them and uh, Dee Dee bonds with uh, Lucy, the the mother, and Tommy meets Susie, and Susie's like, "Come see my room," and they haven't unpacked it yet, and they don't get that it just hasn't been unpacked. They think that Susie just doesn't have a bedroom anymore, and I really vibed with it because I hate moving, and mm-hmm. every time I've moved, there's like a point where. Like, everyone's helped me move, and they leave, and I'm alone, and I'm in a new place, and I just, like, sit on my bed and want to cry (laughs) because I don't have my room anymore. I don't have my house. Yeah. Yeah. Because I moved, like, six times in, like, four years after leaving high school where I had never moved in my life until I was 18 and then just moved over and over and over and over again. Uh, There's just that horrible period where you first move in, you don't have internet, you don't have toilet paper, you don't have salt you don't have groceries yeah. like it's just like little stuff like that and it's and i hate it so much to the point that now i just own the third season of avatar last airbender i bought when i was like 20 and i have like a little dvd player and that which never comes out except when i move so that i have something to feel normal yeah because otherwise it's just so alienating to move and not have your space and to be somewhere unfamiliar and knowing that yeah. the last part of your life is over and, like, for Susie, she's the youngest of four kids, and she's only three. Like, she needs some sense of normalcy. Like, I'm having flashbacks right now. <laughs> Uh-oh. No, I, Uh-oh. I, I'm kidding. But, no, I, I moved, I moved uh, when I was six. Countries. From, continents. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, from one of the most beautiful places in the world, from the, like, Pyrenees Mountains, to the Tri-Cities, which is terrible. <laughs> We have tumbleweeds. Also, this is our first in-depth exposure to a black family in this show. But their blackness is never actually addressed. But we do get to see that Lucy Carmichael is so fucking accomplished. She recreates Tiffany lamps. She's a doctor. She's been a guest lecturer at cooking schools. She's the mother of four children. She has a commercial pilot's license. This woman is so ambitious, so strong, and I adore her. (laughs) Um, But I also, there's something interesting in her relationship. There's something interesting in the relationship between the parents of all of the children. And in most cases, it feels like the mother is in charge. Yes. So Lucy is definitely in charge of the Carmichael household. Charlotte Pickles is in charge of that household. Yes. And Um, Dee Dee is the breadwinner because Stu doesn't make any money at all. No, not at all. He's an inventor. He tinkers around in his basement all the time. Um, Yeah. So the and then Betty DeVille is definitely the leader of her relationship. All of these women are so strong, but in so such different ways. Yeah. So I was reading about this of how like progressive the Rugrats are back then because it's yeah the women are the breadwinners in every household. Okay. So Angelica breaks a leg. Okay. Um. So Angelica is her parents are going on a synergy rafting trip for the week. <laughs> Power rafting. They call it. Yeah. And and like um. 
so she has to stay with the pickles for the week. Well, she's a pickles, but she has to stay with Stu and uh, Dee Dee. She has to come stay with them, and they have nothing planned for her, and she's very nothing whatsoever. Yeah, which I thought was odd. Um, I did too. I wrote that down. I was like, why won't anybody pay attention to Angelica? Like, yeah. they knew she was coming. They have to at least like. They don't have to go to the zoo with her like she insists that they do, but they should at least be, like, prepared to accept a guest. Yeah. But, yeah, so nobody's paying attention to Angelica, and that was just poor planning on their part, I believe. Because she's an extremely demanding young girl. Yes. An important historical moment in this episode in that Stu has to make pudding for Angelica, and oh, this was God. apparently a very Not popular. just make pudding. <laughs> he has to go out and buy it in the middle of the night and make the pudding. 3 a.m. I wrote down the quote. He goes, Angelica, I'm not going out at 3 a.m. to get you chocolate pudding. And that's final. <laughs> and then the very next scene is him. Where's your chocolate pudding? <laughs> and then like when he's making it and Didi's like, Stu, what are you doing? And he's like making chocolate pudding. She's like, it's 4 a.m. Why are you making chocolate pudding? Because I've lost control of my life. life. And that apparently, like, everything I look at, has it has a um, Know Your Meme article because it was just a giant oh, yeah. meme for a while. <laughs> yeah, Kylie actually but pointed we, that we, out we did to forget me to bring happens. up. We, we, did, we, we did forget to bring up that because Angelica is being ignored she and she's not getting the attention that she wants, she gets the idea of faking a broken leg off of the TV, mm-hmm. which she is watching because nobody will play with her. Yeah. And damn, what an effective little actor she is. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a, a Doogie Hauser doctor named, like, Haugie Doozer. Haugie Doozer, and Dr. He, Doozer. Yeah, and he uh, mistakes, he keeps mixing up peaches and pickles, and so he pulls up the peaches file, which is an actual broken leg. And so then when she has the cast on and Tommy asks, like, is your leg really broken? She's like, no. And he's like, well, then why are you wearing a cast? And she's like, I don't know. Adults are weird. Like something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, that's so true. This is just like a breakdown of adults being caretakers that like she got away with this because adults were just being incompetent, which I identify with so much is that like we don't know anything we're doing. We're just pretending. And also, oh my god, I was really struck by this. Can you imagine how fucking stressful it would be if your niece broke her leg under your watch while she was staying with you while you were neglecting her? And that's why I think that's why I think they like really did everything they could. Yeah, that's why they go out of their way to make her so so comfortable like whenever that buzzer rings because Stu rigs up a buzzer so that every time Angelica needs something she can let them know mm-hmm. Which uh, is but whenever second. that buzzer goes off they drop everything yeah. and run upstairs and of course she abuses her power she's three years old she's bored she's laying in bed all day like what else is she gonna do but then she gets the karmic uh the karmic justice yes, uh that <laughs> Turns out, you know, she her Doogie Hauser figures it out, and she, her leg isn't broken. And then, turns out her mom's leg got broken on the raft trip, and so she has to take care of her mom yeah. when she comes back. And sh- so she finally goes home, where I'm sure she's used to being treated like a princess. Mm-hmm. And suddenly her dad is just mad at her and she's like i want to do something fun and he's like angelica we have to take care of your mom yeah (laughs) god and anytime i was like in that situation it was just so unjust when you have to like take care of your parent when you're a kid it just hurts so much like i don't want to do this yeah for me, I was always very much a caretaker, even as a little kid. Oh, yeah. I so, like, not. that was my favorite thing to do was, like, and, and, like, it showed up in my relationship with my brother a lot. Like, my brother ended up, especially as a teenager, just, like, expecting me to do things for him. And then when I, like, moved out, he was like, wait, there's no one here to get me water? There's no one here to make me a sandwich? Where's my maid? What? Where's my maid? <laughs> I remember, like, one time I was, like, 10, and I was at, like, a national park with my parents. Me and my mom were just sitting in the car because I wanted to be lazy, and I didn't want to get out of the car and see nature's wonders. And there was, like, a mom outside, like, took off her coat for, like, her kids, did something for her kid. And I remember turning to my mother, and I'm like, I don't 
know that I could ever have a kid because I can't imagine like having to do what she just did. <laughs> and all she did was help her kid with a coat. Yeah, and my mom was like, "It changes when you get older," which has been true. Like I now, I, I especially at like my job. Like the other day, I had a van full of BG and it was totally full. So I was like, without thinking, like, okay, cool, I'll just jump in the trunk and like jumped right in. And they're like, you do this a lot, don't you? Because of how fast I jumped in. <laughs> so like, it definitely changes. But just back when you're a kid, like, is there anything worse than having to? It's apparently not for Kylie, but for me. Well, here's the thing: is that as kids, you get to be as selfish as you want. Yeah. It's the one time in your life that you get to do that. So yeah, if you're used to that and like used to taking advantage of like being able to be your own person and not have to do anything for anybody, like yeah, you should absolutely you would absolutely want to just keep that up. And and there has to For me it very much changed like when my brother was born. Mm-hmm. Like there was a big shift and I remember it because I went from being an only child to being a big sister and like not only did my responsibilities as a child change my identity as a child changed so you have to wonder if like Angelica might have been had a warmer spot in her heart if she didn't stay an only child oh absolutely yeah and what I think is super interesting is that Angelica's the only one who remains an only only child child. like chucky ends up with a stepsister phil and lil have one another tommy gets a little brother angelica's the like even Susie has three older siblings yeah angelica's the only one who stays an only child just yeah so i guess my representation in this television show would be angelica (laughs) <laughs> i was gonna say earlier when you made that comment i was like that sounded like you're being somewhat self-reflective Captain. <laughs> no because i think of in of only children having two really separate tracks you can go on there's two kinds yeah. of us and it's the angelicas who like didn't go to daycare and their parents got them whatever they wanted and were really attached to the hip to their their parents and stuff and then there's people like me where it's like my parents made me do chores for the stuff I wanted and we would travel a lot so I'd have to go make friends with kids all the time so I learned to socialize I wasn't just with my parents and I was they both worked full-time so I was always in daycare so in that way I think I turned very independent where I you know am in Dallas right now was like okay sure I'll go off on a trip on my own. Who cares? Um, so, yeah. so yeah, you go one of two ways where you're kind of just, you're either just like really, really, really independent or really attached to your home in a mm-hmm. bad way. And Angelica is the bad way. Yeah. So that's why it wasn't reflective on myself. Cause I think of her as a completely different species than I think of myself. Well, because in the beginning, Tommy is also an only child, only child yeah. and he goes on the independence He's, path. That's why I identified with him, because he felt like the kind of only child I was, where it's I love to say, buy parents and, like, leave. I think we were talking about this in something else where, like, my mom was saying, like, whenever I would go to camp, I couldn't wait to get away from them. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was so sad when I came home. Like, I loved to be out on my own. And I think that, like, Chucky shows an even, like, a weird mixture of the two, where he is very attached to his father, and he's very scared of, like, he's not an independent person whatsoever, but he finds in Tommy someone that he trusts and that he will let lead him. Chucky is very much, and this is nothing against Chucky, but he, he is a follower. Yeah, absolutely. And... He always needs somebody who's going to be in charge, which is a really nice segue into Mother's Day. I was about to say, can we take that into Mother's Day? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So go ahead. Tell us what happens in Mother's Day. No other. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the most well-known episodes of Rugrats is the Mother's Day episode. And it's a full like 25 minutes where usually it's, you know, cut into two pieces. And it's just that the babies are... They are first learning about Mother's Day. Angelica already knows about it. And the whole episode is about hunting for presents for everyone's moms. Even Dee Dee is doing that for her mother. 
and in the background, uh, Chaz is dealing with the fact that Chucky's mother is dead, and he's the fact that he's grieving. He's um putting it onto Chucky, being like, he comes over and he has a box of his wife's things and wants to leave it at the Pickles house and. He's like, it's because of uh of, of Chucky. He's getting into everything these days. And Dee Dee's like, it's okay if you don't want to, you know, have these things around. He's like, no, 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 no. It's Chucky. So yeah. he's, yeah. yeah, he's at a weird spot. Yeah. And Chucky just doesn't know any better. Where when he shows up and he asks what everyone's doing, like, we're making Mother's Day presents. He's like, oh, well, I don't have a mom. And he doesn't get that sad about it. No, I, I thought it was so interesting because he... he is very matter of fact about it. Yeah. He's just like, he doesn't know what Mother's Day is because he doesn't have a mom. Yeah. And then he doesn't know why he doesn't have a mom. He just accepts it as a fact of his life. Yeah. Whereas Chaz, on the other hand, is like really struggling with how to deal with the loss of his wife and how to approach that concept of loss with his little son. I have trepidation saying someone's grieving the wrong way, but I don't think he's handling it quite right at the beginning of the episode of just like trying to hide the mother from Chucky. Yeah, I think that it's not a super responsible yeah. way because I think that you, there is no wrong way to grieve, yeah. but there is a wrong way in approaching other people with that. Grief. Yeah, and like it's, you can you can turn to some really toxic behaviors through grief. Yeah. And I think that hiding Chucky's mom from him is a little toxic. And it comes it comes partially from a place of love and also fear. Oh, yeah. he's like, I don't know. He's like, I don't want Chucky's mom to... I don't want Chucky to miss his mom. I thought it, was, I thought it had a really good message the whole episode of you don't need to get your mom a special present. Like, being with your mom is the gift. Which is something I've learned. I remember, like, this reminded me when I was a kid. Like, it was, like, my mom's birthday or something. And I didn't get her anything because I was a little kid. And I was so jealous of, like, how excited she was of everyone's presence that I, like, went in my room and I took, like, a little pot I had made in, like, art class that I loved and cherished. And I gave it to her to try and be better than everyone else. Aww. Which is so stupid because, like, my mom doesn't care what I give her. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, it's the mother's. I think it's more important to spend time with your mom on Mother's Day than finding a good present. Right. And then also, because so Didi's going to like a health spa with like her mom. A mud and like spa. Betty's like, I heard that they import mud from all over the world and stuff. And then the mom didn't like the health spa at all. No. And- oh my God. Even walking in, she was like, I'm going to be picking mud out of my wrinkles for weeks. And she was like, <laughs> you have mud at home. And <laughs> And because when she was making these spa plans and I was thinking of this idea of like Mother's Day gifts aren't that important. It's about the spending the time together. And then I was like, well, maybe it changes when you're older. Maybe that's what they're trying to say, that when you are older, you do take your mom to the spa. And no, because then she has that thing. You know, the mom didn't really like the spa. And then the mom says something to her of like, I just wanted to spend time with you. Like that never. Oh, no, I love that moment when when she's like, mom, I just wanted to do something we both liked. And she's broken down because her entire Mother's Day plans have been destroyed. And and her mother just hugs her and she goes, Didi, this I like. Just spending time with each other. Can I can I make a point in regards to that, though? Yes. Because I I agree. I agree. I agree with you. That is that's what it should be about. My view on gift giving, though, and on presents, that I, I think, I think I am a like decent gift giver, but like mm-hmm. my view on it is that like for for the those like the people that you are giving the gift to, what you need to be taking into consideration is not just like what they like and what they want, but like what you like and what you want them to have, and the things that you guys have in in like connection with each other, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So the gift is meant to be like this is so, something like that represents the represents the love of of that relationship of being this being together. Um, if it's a good gift, if it if if it's just something that you're giving to somebody without like just because you need to give them something, then yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But a good like gift giving- can be an extension of that presence with. Like, I don't want to shit on my dad, but, like, something he was no, always really do. bad at was gift this giving. This is our weekly um, segment. 
called? So my my dad grew up quite poor, um, but he, in his adult life, ended up with a real cushy job and makes six figures easy. Um, and his way of showing love is that he gives gifts, but he's not very good at gift giving. So he will just grab things and give them to you. And that's, he, he tried, he always tried to use the phrase, it's the thought that counts when he got me like random ass Walmart clothes that were like five sizes too big. Oh my God. And like, and the thought is like, this is what size I think you are. Yeah. And like, I had a breakdown one Christmas because like he did that and and it really hurt my feelings. And he was like, why aren't you just appreciative of the gifts that I got you? And I was like, because they show me that you don't know me at all. Yeah, exactly. Phil and Lil talk about what their best present to their mom was. And it was, they, they do a flashback. And I love the way that they approached breastfeeding in this episode. Yeah. Because Lil is like, oh, yeah. Remember when mom used to feed us the old way? And there was nothing weird about it. It was very, it was a very natural transition. It showed like this great moment between them of the first time she laughed with them was a day that they were all breastfeeding together. And it was like one mm-hmm. of the first shows that had a scene of normalizing breastfeeding and showing it as something happy that you share with your kids and not something, yeah, yeah not something that should yeah. have a stigma surrounding it. And the best present. And, like, I love that Didi, or not Didi, I love that Betty told her infant children that this is the best gift you could have ever given me was both of you laughing yeah. for the first time. And then it's a similar thing with Tommy because we find out that he was a preemie. Mm-hmm. And and he was in the NICU the first time he saw his mom. Yeah, and, like, and she reaches out and he grabs her finger. And, of course, a baby wouldn't understand that, like, that's such a huge gift to give to a parent of, like, she's mm-hmm. afraid for your life, but you're reaching, you know, oh, that's mom, and you grab her. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, that's an amazing moment. And it's amazing, it's an amazing moment for Tommy, too, because he, he says that he, like, was in this aquarium, which he misunderstands, yeah. but he was scared and then suddenly he saw his mom grabbed her finger and he just wasn't scared anymore yeah and wouldn't that be so amazing to know as a mom that like you had actually oh helped? god that yeah. would break Didi's diddly dang heart diddly dang heart <laughs> and then chucky has this recurring dream about his mom but he can't remember her beyond that and i think it's so sad because all of the other kids have much younger memories of their moms mm-hmm. So you would think that Chucky would have some memory, but I think that his memory is, in a way, repressed into his dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, exactly because like the fact that it is it, it is only a dream and not even a memory. It's not something he remembers. It's something he thinks is a dream. Shows like I think it, it it's symbolic of the like the destructive element of not having like the person in his life that that yeah. brought him in that he like was raised. He has this like loving memory of being with his mother, and then, and then it's gone. It's taken from him. He it doesn't like he's too young to know what to make of it. Yeah, so it just he like, becomes a dream to him. He doesn't have the grief with it that like Chaz is afraid he'll have. They decide to sit down and look through all this stuff, and just. Mm-hmm. Which I think is great. I think that, like, if your mom... I think it's even better that he takes her, takes Chucky out into his mother's garden. Mm-hmm to do this yeah. like so Chaz makes up for the fact that he has not been doing his due diligence as a parent of a child who has lost a parent yeah yeah by doing it in the most like narratively clean way <laughs> but like also yeah. like the sweetest most meaningful way he could he, you know there's this beautiful poem she wrote for Chucky that was her last entry in her diary he says something like look guys i do have a mom she's in the flowers and in the wind and in the sun and like because that's what the poem said where it's like every Mm -hmm. time you feel the wind that's me touching your cheeks and stuff so he has this he knows his mom's there and he's gonna know that the rest of his life uh last episode can we just talk about the fact that betty and lil are taking a mother and daughter female empowerment class and lil is (laughs) one i know (laughs) 
<laughs> I love her so much. Oh, and they and they have a let's take control over the Senate sing along. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. She is gay. <laughs> Why is she married to Howard? Uh so Clan of the Duke, it's a hot day. The babies are jealous of Lillian getting to wear a dress because they're breezier. Which yeah. is a good reason to be so, jealous of someone for their clothes. Phil and Chucky decide to wear dresses. Howard, who's just overcome by how difficult being a parent is, is like rushing them out the door, doesn't realize they're dressed as girls, and takes them to the park. And hijinks ensue. Two, two boys. And it made me write down boys are awful from the yes! beginning. <laughs> no, Robin and I talked about that a little bit. That, yeah. God, these boys are gross. They, they immediately just because of the clothing that somebody is wearing, just because they're wearing dresses, these boys think that it's their right to have them. Yeah, but um, yeah, they they think that it's their right to just have these supposed girls make them be their friends and taunt them with candy and it's just a really gross moment i wrote down like if this was an adult moment this would get really dark really fast yeah and that's the thing with rugrats that i kept reading about like why it can be so progressive is that it's because it's babies it's lighter tone god it's such a metaphor for well not even a metaphor it's 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 a a lot like it's what it's like being a transgender person and it's Mm -hmm. these two boys are immediately trying to win the girls. Chucky yeah, the very Belle. second they meet them, they're like, "You're, you're, you've got to be ours because we're boys and you're girls." And, and they in fight. Fact, they wake up them. They wake them up. Like they're yeah. napping in their yeah. stroller, and these boys are like, "Hi, wake up! I have candy. Do you want to come be my friend?" Yeah, and then they there's a point where the two boys are fighting where it's like, "I saw them first. They're mine." Mm-hmm. And then when they find out they're boys, they get so mad that they want to beat them up, which is like yeah. real life. It's it's the queer panic. Mm-hmm. What else? Matthew Shepard, um, when he was murdered, the murderers claimed gay panic. And that was the first court case where they said, no, gay panic is not a defense. Yeah. You can't just freak out because you find out someone's gay or that they are you know, are transgender or something right. like that. And that's not a defense to hurt somebody. Especially with this episode, I kind of want to talk about gender and what gender is. Like, we grew up with people in our lives who, like, are queer, are trans, are yeah. non-binary. Yeah. Um, we are all aware that gender and sex are two very different things, that you're assigned your gender at birth based on what sort of genitalia you have. Whereas... Well, your sex is determined that way. And uh, your gender is the way that you identify. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a really important thing to bring up because we all have to start from the basic premise of fact. And we have to start from a place of neutrality (laughs) in order to even move forward with a conversation. And I've had conversations with, with people who will not accept that sex and gender are different and who will not uh, agree to that premise. And it's impossible to have gender-based conversations with them because of that. I just don't get it. I don't either. Why Why, why do we have so to... it's important to, like, yeah. keep calling someone he and say, no, she's a girl. Like, why is it so... I don't get it. I don't either. Like, what? what in you is so threatened that you have to misgender somebody? I think it, like, it finally hit me at some point in, like, high school when I was actually in the locker room, and for some reason I just imagined, like, because I hated changing in front of everyone, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, what would I do if <coughs> I had a penis that I had to hide? Oh, yeah. yeah. Why would, <laughs> it's just so hard to go through, like, why would someone fake it? No. Why can't we just be chill? 
Why can't we just accept people for who they say they are? Like, why can't we just believe people when they say, like, I identify as a woman and I always have and I have not been able to openly identify this way. Like, why can't we just accept that as fact and move on? Yeah. Yeah. Where, like, when I was in college and I was in, like, one house of people and, like, one of, it was you know who, Mm -hmm. like, would not accept my queer label as gay and like would argue all the time like well no 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 you're this and this and and someone had to finally like step in and be like what does it matter to you yeah yeah what her why is it is? any your of your business But by the end of the episode, I love how they dealt with this. They didn't get super deep. It was that they ran into a troop of Scottish babies who were wearing kilts. And they and it showed just how ridiculous these gender norms are. This episode is so ahead of its time. <laughs> it, it deals with gender in a way that it allows the babies to question it without it being a thing that mm-hmm. like adults could pounce on you know that that conservative adults could be like this show is is liberal propaganda like (laughs) because it's just just it's it's the question like why can't men wear dresses and because they're babies it's just so simple because they don't have the context and the and just all this stuff that's ingrained in us that means nothing that means they just go yeah this is much cooler but also it brings up really transphobic issues. Like the fact that Chucky is wearing blue underwear and these boys, their instinct is to beat them up. Yeah. That is so disgusting. Like, and it yeah. just speaks to like how these boys were programmed trained. and trained by their parents. This is Because they're a little older than mm-hmm. Phil and Chucky and Phil and Chucky ha- did not have these thoughts, you know? No. Like if I put this on, I would... I would kick someone's ass if they wore this. So it's like, it's obviously something that's learned. Yeah. Of like, how dare you make me attracted to you? I'm straight. I'm going to beat the shit out of you for that. Like, it's so stupid. And it's dangerous. It's so dangerous. And it's something that happens so often, especially with trans women and trans women of color, especially. Trans women of color are attacked more often than any other. Yeah. Attacked group. Ugh. Of anyone in the U.S. Yeah. We have people in our lives who are trans and who are non-binary who mean a lot to us. Yes. Like, it's no excuse just because you don't have somebody who's trans in your life to not respect a trans person's identity. Yeah. Like, you you don't get to just decide that somebody's not who they say they are. Yeah. And that they're somehow less than. Yeah. Because if anything, they're more than we are because going through something... Just having my own deal with being gay is was is very, very, very hard. And I can never imagine what it would be like to be transgender. Because that just seems like the hardest thing to be. Yeah. Especially a trans person of color. There's nothing harder than that. I can't imagine going through And somebody that. who comes out of that on the other side. And, like, trans people also have the highest rates of suicide. Because Absolutely. oftentimes they are not accepted by their families. And, and, and that's like, not to say super... that there are not families who don't accept trans people because there most certainly are, and those families should be lifted up onto a pedestal. But... Absolutely. But like, but and they also have like the highest rates of like being driven to like sex work and mm-hmm. things like that because they can't get jobs anywhere else. Because still in 2018, trans people get turned down from like colleges and jobs mm-hmm. and stuff, and and have nowhere else to go. I have a story I'm sitting on. Please tell us. (laughs) Um, So when I first got to Texas about uh, a few weeks ago, I was in an Airbnb at first. And I would go and have a drink with the Airbnb host on our 
porch and she was kind of like an older woman and she's like from like Amarillo, Texas and <laughs> and we would talk and we got talking about like transgender people and she was telling some story and she kept misgendering the person she was talking about and I ended up explaining to her like why that's wrong and I taught her what cisgender means she had never heard that before and she was actually really open to it and like and I taught her something that's yeah and and it's not necessarily it's not my I don't want to tell people like oh we just need to educate because it's not our duty to educate but um but yeah, I do think there are a lot of people out there that if they just were in a different environment, we could get on Facebook and I there was an algorithm that made sure I only saw things I agreed with. <laughs> yeah. And if we were just around a more diverse crowd, I do think there are a lot of people that would come to understand because it's not that challenging. It's really not. Yeah. Like accepting other human beings is not a hard task. Well, uh, we were talking about a... Um, Rugrats episode with babies wearing dresses and we went on a massive tangent so at the very end of this this episode there is a marked difference in the way that the parents respond to their sons wearing dresses um Betty DeVille is so excited. She's like, yes. oh, look at these little tykes wearing dresses. Oh, Betty. And, and Dee Dee is at first a little uncomfortable because Tommy has now put on a T-shirt as though it were a skirt. Yeah. Um, and she's like, oh, oh, no, oh, no. And, and but also she's Betty is the one who's teacher. like, oh, let him play, Dee Dee. I know. And she's I like, oh, Betty. all right. <laughs> oh, that's so, so even cute. Dee Dee has to be convinced that this thing this unimportant thing that is just happening her son is just wearing a little skirt like who cares who cares yeah, yeah. this is not something that matters <laughs> men should be able to wear dresses girls should be able to wear suits you've been listening to grow up a saturday morning podcast for babies with me or <laughs> sassafras me, Bork. And me, Catherine Reptar Johnson. We would love to hear what you took away from the show or from this podcast. So if you heard something that resonated with you or you heard something that you don't think is quite right, please tweet us at, at growthepodup and send us your thoughts at growthepodup at gmail.com, complete with your name and the city you live in. And a little further down the line, we may share those thoughts on the air. This episode featured the song Enthusiast by the band Tours. Join us next time as we dissolve into a pit of pre-adolescent angst in As Told by Ginger. Ooh! Ooh. Okay, bye. Bye! bye. <laughs>